Good morning. I am Pastor Joel Buckland, and you are listening to Sunday Morning Worship at the First Church of New Knoxville. We are an independent, congregational church located in New Knoxville, Ohio. We recognize Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and He is the head of the church. You can find more information about us on our website, firstchurchnk.org. Good morning, this is Pastor Joel, and I welcome you to our service of worship at the First Church of New Knoxville. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, the day when we reflect on the joy that we have in Christ. The service today is pre-recorded and broadcast specifically for our radio listeners. It's a special Sunday at First Church. The Sunday School Department is having their Christmas program, and as joyous as that program will be, it does not translate well to the radio. If you'd like to watch the Sunday School Christmas program, you can find the live stream on our Facebook page. The video of the service will also be uploaded to our YouTube page on Monday morning. I have a couple quick announcements before we start the service. The giving tree is up in the Heritage Room at First Church. You can stop by the church anytime during the week to pick up tags from the tree. Items purchased this year will support the Elizabeth New Life Pregnancy Center in Sydney. Please return your items with the tags before December 29th. Also, you're invited to join us on Christmas Eve at 7.30 p.m. for a special candlelight service. We'll worship together as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And now, let us turn our attention back to the service. This radio broadcast was created just for you, our listeners. We are thankful for each one of you, whether you're members of our church or people we've never met. This morning, you will hear music from our Advent services over the past couple years and a new message recorded just for today. For more information about the ministry of First Church or how to connect to us, I invite you to find us on Facebook or go to our website, firstchurchnk.org. Join us now as we worship the Lord together through song, prayer, and the study of God's Word. Our first song is It's Christmas Time. Tell it. 
Let's continue our service with a call to worship. Today's reading comes from Luke 1, 39-56. It describes Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth after the angel Gabriel announced that Mary would give birth to Jesus. Remember the theme on the third Sunday of Advent. It is joy. Elizabeth is pregnant with a child who will become John the Baptist, and the child leaps with joy in her womb when Mary arrives. And Mary herself announces her joy in a song. Let's hear the words of Scripture itself, again from Luke chapter 1, verses 39-56. through 56. It reads, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt with joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Let us also rejoice in God our Savior. Join us as we sing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
radio ministry at First Church has been active for more than 50 years. Many people, over a long period of time, have been blessed and encouraged by it. During my time at First Church, I've heard many stories of people who've been impacted by the radio ministry, but have never stepped inside a First Church. The radio ministry is a blessing because it reaches people that we have never met with the good news of Jesus Christ. At the same time, it gives people from our own congregation an opportunity to stay connected when they are homebound, in the hospital, or unable to attend services for a number of reasons. The radio ministry is a blessing in a variety of ways. If you are one of the people that's been positively impacted by the radio ministry and you'd like to support this ministry, you can give online through our website, firstchurchnk.org. You can also contact us through the website or send a letter to First Church of New Knoxville, P.O. Box 339, New Knoxville, Ohio, 45871. We'd love to hear from you and how the radio ministry has impacted your life. You also have the option to give to our designated offering this week. An offering to support the Salvation Army of Lima, Ohio is being collected during the Children's Sunday School program. You can also give to this important ministry through our website. As always, we encourage you to give as you are able and as you feel led to give. As Christians, we are generous because we believe that God has been generous to us. We give to be a blessing to others, and we give to support the ongoing work of His kingdom at First Church and through the many ministries we support. Thank you for your generous support of this ministry. I invite you to join me now as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise and adore you for who you are. You are kind and compassionate. You do not forget your people, especially in their time of need. You are holy and righteous. Everything you do is good and upright. You are gracious and merciful. You do not treat us as our sins deserve. Rather, you pour out your love for us through your Holy Spirit. We praise and adore you, Father God, for all these things and so much more. We praise you especially for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. His arrival that first Christmas day fills us with hope, peace, joy, and love. Your birth, Lord Jesus, brings power and hope to our prayers. The Incarnation, the Son of God taking on flesh and becoming a human being, teaches us that God is not far off. He's not up in the clouds somewhere looking down on us, but he is a God who is present among his people. Lord Jesus, you are our Emmanuel, our God who is with us. The Incarnation is proof that God is active in the world today. And the Resurrection and Ascension are proof that Jesus is alive and he is still interceding for us. And so, Father God, we come to you now in prayer and we lift up all of our concerns and our joys, our hopes and our sorrows to you. We pray that everyone listening to this radio broadcast would know and experience your presence during this season. Lord God, as we approach Christmas, help us to set aside any distraction. Help us to remember why it is we celebrate this holiday. It is about you and your arrival and your birth and the salvation and the hope that you offer to this world. Lord, help us to Feel your presence and your power and your peace, even in the midst of a difficult time. For those that are battling loneliness and grief and loss, I pray that they would find you in the midst of it, Lord, and that your presence would make a difference in their lives. And we think especially of, of all those that are listening on the radio, both members of First Church, but also, Lord, those who are not members here, those that may be listening in from outside of our immediate church family. We are so grateful for each and every listener this morning, and we ask that they would know and experience your presence during this time. Lord, help us to remember that you are the greatest gift of all, that no matter what we receive this time of year, no matter what gifts come our way, that you are the greatest gift of all, that your salvation that your forgiveness, that your love is greater than anything this world has to offer. So help us to keep that in mind as we move forward towards Christmas this year. Lord, we do want to also lift up our Sunday School Christmas program that's happening at the church today. We thank you for all the children who are participating and memorizing lines and songs for this morning. I also thank you for the teachers and the helpers that help make this program a reality and the work they put in to prepare for this day. Again, this Sunday is the Sunday of joy the, in Advent. 
and what greater you know what what a great example of joy than to to witness the Sunday school Christmas program and so I just pray that everything goes well this morning and that that time that they have in the sanctuary today would be a would be a joy but also would would glorify you in everything that they do Lord we think this day of our prayers and concerns list as we do every Sunday we pray for those that are in need of healing we pray for those that are in need of uh, restoration in your provision, Lord. As, as always, we look at this list and see the names, and, and we may know uh, a little bit about what's going on, or we may be completely clueless, but we know and trust, Lord, that you understand what is needed, that you have all of these things under control, and that you, Lord, are active and are working in each of these situations. Today we think especially of those who are battling illness with a lot of flu and RSV going on, Lord, in our, in our community, in our area. We just pray that you would watch over and protect those who are sick. For those that are, are feeling under the weather, Lord, I pray that they would recover quickly. And I pray also that you'd watch over those um, that are vulnerable, that, that, that you would keep them healthy and well. Lord God, we also pray for those in authority over us as your word calls us to do. At this time, we pray for our state. We pray for the governor of Ohio, the legislatures, as well as the courts, Lord, and other elected and appointed officials. We ask that you, Lord, would work in their hearts and minds, that they would lead well in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. Lord, may they have wisdom beyond their means, and may they have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness. And we ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct them in all that they do. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to join us as we sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing and Go Tell It on the Mountain.
number 138. Go tell it on the mountain. Now it's time for Advent readings, and I've recruited my family to help us out with that this morning. Soon we shall celebrate the birth of Jesus. We will worship God with joy in our hearts as we are reminded of the words Jesus spoke to his disciples. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. Luke 2, 8 through 11. And now we watch shepherds running out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people today and in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light, there is joy. Joy that is ours, not only at Christmas, but always. For Peter, one six two nine. In all this you greatly rejoice to now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven 
genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold perishes even though refined by fire may result in place, glory and honor. But Jesus Christ is in Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with expressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith and the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. O Holy One, as Christmas draw nears, there's a sense of excitement in the air. We can feel a joy in our lives and see it in those around us. Still, for some of us, this is a sad time because of unhappy things that have happened in our life. Lord, help us to have the joy that does not depend on earthly happiness, but on you. Help us to be filled with your joy so that we may share it with a joyless world. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to pray with me now as we turn our attention to God's word together. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. Thank you that I get to record this special message for the radio broadcast this morning. And I pray that the message that you've placed on my heart would be an encouragement to us all. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what you have to say to us today. And I pray that you would give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. One thing that I've learned as I've gotten older is that life passes you by more quickly, especially when you start having kids. I remember somebody told me before Josephine was born that that blink and you'll miss it. Before you know it, they're going to be growing up, they're going to be in school, they're going to be graduating, they're going to be getting married and having kids of their own. And I thought they were just over-exaggerating, kind of laughed it off at the time. But I found that to be true. But this doesn't, by about this time next month, I'll have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and it just doesn't seem possible. They weren't kidding. Life really does pass by you quickly. Not only does time pass quickly, but we also live in a day and age of instant gratification. Right? We expect things to happen quickly. We don't want to be inconvenienced by delays. I think one of the greatest examples of this in our culture today is Amazon Prime, right? I'm sure some of you are sub- subscribed to that just like we do. It's it's so convenient to order something on my phone or on my computer, and within a matter of two days, it'll show up on my doorstep. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to pay any extra. It's just there. I have a friend that lives in uh, just outside Indianapolis, and, and for a time, he was living in this kind of zone, I guess you could say, that they were doing same-day deliveries with Amazon. And so he could be at work. He could realize he needed something. He'd order it. By the time he got home from work that day, it would be waiting for him on his doorstep. I mean, it's just amazing if you think about that. And we've kind of created our whole cultural perspective around instant gratification, about expecting things to happen and happen quickly. And that's true of our world today and in a lot of different ways. Where we look for our joy and where we look for our uh, contentment in this world. You see, we're, we're looking for joy in an instant world. We're looking for the, the, the shortcut. We're looking for the quick satisfaction when we should be looking for our joy eternally. You see, when we look for joy in an instant world, it ends up being circumstantial joy. It comes and goes based on the situation you find yourself in. One day you're happy and one day you're not because your situation has changed. When we look for joy in an instant world, we find that it is fleeting. That as soon as our circumstances change, our joy may often go with it, right? When when things don't go your way or when you're having a bad day, your joy goes right out the window with your circumstances. And when you look for joy in an instant world you find that that joy tends to be superficial. It'll never meet your deepest longings and needs. It's only at the surface. It's only skin deep. So today, what I want to talk to you about is not instant joy in an instant world, but how to find eternal joy in an instant world. And the first thing that we need to understand is that eternal joy isn't found in our circumstances. It's not found 
and a crock potter at Amazon Prime, it is found only in one place through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, that's what the angels and the shepherds were talking about in Luke chapter 2. That's what Christmas is all about. It's why Jesus came. Jesus was born in order to rescue us from our sin. He was born in order to redeem us and restore our relationship with God. And the angels make that announcement that night that Jesus was born to the shepherds in the fields. They make that known. They say in Luke chapter 2 verses 10 and 11, they say, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, the gospel is good news for all people. It's good news for everyone because everyone is a sinner in need of redemption. And it's good news for everyone because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the gospel is good news for everyone. And the gospel is good news, that, that good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus' birth isn't instant. It isn't uh, superficial. It is eternal. It's been a long wait, but the time had finally arrived. The other day, uh, after the kids went to bed, uh, Allie and I spent some time wrapping presents for the family. And Miles had not fallen asleep yet. He And, and he came, you could hear his footsteps coming on the stairs. And I, I said, you know, Miles, you got to stop. Can't come down here. We're doing secret Christmas stuff. And he, could, you could almost hear the smile forming on his face. And he says, are you wrapping presents? He was just so excited for that. And so the next morning, you know, we had placed some of them under the tree, the ones for family. And he came down and, and he looked at the presents and he was all excited. And he asked me when it was time to open the presents. And I told him, listen, it's not time to open presents yet because it's not Christmas yet. And he asked me when Christmas was going to be here. And I said, well, about three weeks. And he looked at me with kind of a sad look on his face. He said, three weeks is a long time for four-year-old going on five-year-old it does seem like a long time to wait but when we look at scripture when we look at what scripture says about God's plan of salvation we realize that that God had been waiting more than three weeks to send the greatest gift of all to send his son Jesus Christ in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 4 it says praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Do you notice what, what Paul says there in Ephesians? It says that God's plan from before the creation of the world, before the foundation of the earth, was to send Jesus to rescue us from our sin. So this isn't just an instant plan. God didn't just send Jesus on a whim. This is a plan from eternity past that God, that is unfolding before us as we celebrate Christmas, as we look forward to the birth of Jesus. So it's not just a plan that's been in place for a long time, but, but we also understand that it's a plan that is happening at just the right time. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5, Paul writes to them, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Notice what he says there, just the right time. When the right time had fully come, God sent his son. It's like he was waiting for just the right moment to have the most powerful impact that he could. If you've been reading along with the Advent devotional that we gave away this year, Dr. David Jeremiah talks about this kind of right time in one of the readings recently. He talks about how it was it was the perfect time for Jesus to come for a variety of reasons. And 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 some of those had to do with the, the culture and the setting that Jesus was born into. For example, there was a common language throughout the Roman Empire. Almost everybody, no matter what their native language was, many, many people spoke Greek. And so it was much easier for the message of the gospel to go out because people could hear and understand it without needing a translator, without needing an interpreter. Second, we're reminded that within the Roman Empire, uh, there was a, a system of roads that was established so that travel was made possible all over the place. You know, you've heard the old saying, you know, all roads lead to Rome, right? There was a, a network of roads that, that the Roman Empire established that made travel so much easier and so much safer 
And finally, the last one that Dr. David Jeremiah points out is the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. There was a, a significant sense of stability within the Roman Empire that was unheard of up until that point, right? So there was economic uh, stability. There was political stability to an extent, right? And, and that Roman peace allowed the message of the gospel to go out all over the Roman Empire, and so, and so God had this, had this moment in history that he had in mind that he was preparing for. And at just the right time, he sent his son Jesus to be born of the virgin, to, to live, to die, to live again. And, and so that the message of the gospel could go out with power and authority. So the, the, the message of the gospel is eternal. But the good news is also is for this moment now and for eternity. One of the reasons I love Luke chapter two and the the description of the the angel announcing the the birth of Jesus to the shepherds is because the moment is just bursting with joy, right? As soon as he announces this good news, all of a sudden there's this angelic choir, this heavenly host that just bursts out in in song and praise and in honor of of God and and of His Son. And, and it's just this moment of just joy bursting forth. And so, you know, when it, it's, it's a great example that, uh, of that, the message of Jesus, the, the hope that he brings does bring joy for the moment. It does bring joy into our lives in the here and now, but it also brings joy to us for eternity. Psalm 16 verses 9 through 11 says, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That psalm reminds us that the ultimate source of joy is, is the very presence of God being in his presence. And it also is a reminder that, that that joy is not just for the moment, but it is for eternity, that we will rest secure, that you, that God will not abandon us to the realm of the dead, but that we have the hope of, of eternal joy to look forward to. What a stark contrast that is between the instant gratification uh, perspective that our world often offers and the idea of eternal joy in Christ. And so for the time we have left, I want to I want to reflect on that by looking at first Peter in that passage that we had read for us already. I think first Peter is a great example of how we can have joy, eternal joy, not instant joy, but eternal joy in an instant world. And so let's turn our attention again to first Peter. And we're going to we're going to pick up in verse six. Again, just to remind you, verse six says, in all this, you greatly rejoice Though for a little while you have may have had to suffer grief for all kinds of trials. Verse 6 reminds us that joy is possible, that we can rejoice in all circumstances. What does Paul mean by in all of this? Well, if you look back to the opening verses, verses 3 through 5, he's talking about the salvation that we have in Jesus. He talks about the new birth that is brought about through Christ's death and resurrection. He talks about the inheritance that is kept for us in heaven that will never spoil or fade. You see, the source of our joy as Christians is our salvation in Christ, not our circumstances, not what this world has to offer, but our salvation in Christ. And that is something that can never be taken away. Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, there is nothing in all of creation, not even death itself, can separate us from God. So if our joy is is grounded in 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 a relationship with God and our salvation and that's something that can never be taken away that means that our joy can never be taken away our joy is eternal and joy is possible in all circumstances even in suffering and hardship because that inheritance like I said can never be taken away and that's why other passages in scripture can can allude to that same idea right Philippians 4 4 says Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
right? He says, always, not just when it's easy, not just when it's convenient, not just when things are going well, but always in every season, in every circumstance. And, and Paul again reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The hardships we experience in this life are only temporary. The joy we have in Christ is eternal. You guys all know I've talked about this before. Our daughter Josephine was diagnosed with diabetes earlier this year. And one of the devices that she uses is called the Dexcom. It's a continuous glucose monitor. It's a From the outside, it looks like just a patch that's, that's on her skin. And there's a sensor that's inserted underneath the skin to, to monitor her glucose levels. And it's something that needs to be changed every 10 days. Now, JoJo gets all worked up about changing it. Uh, it's, it takes just a moment to apply and insert. And there is a little bit of pain there, and there's no doubt about that. But it's just momentary. But Josephine gets so worked up about it. She gets so anxious about it. And Allie and I always have to remind her, it's just momentary. It'll be over before you know it. And, and we try to encourage her to look past just that momentary pain to the benefit that this device provides for her. And it's hard for an eight-year-old right, to wrap her mind around that. But, but it's true of us as well, right? We go through trials, we go through hardships, and we need to remind ourselves that even the hardest things we experience in this life are only momentary in light of eternity. All the suffering in this world, all of the hardships we experience will one day be over and be gone. They all have expiration dates. But the joy we have in Christ is eternal. So we, it's possible to have joy in every circumstance. And the second thing we learn from First Peter is that joy is possible because trials serve to strengthen and purify our faith. In verse 7 he says, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Right, so... Peter is teaching us that those trials, those hardships, we can rejoice even in them because it's through those things that God strengthens and purifies our faith. James puts it this way in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Eternal joy in an instant world is only possible when you believe that God is able to work in and through your circumstances, that you believe that God is able to bring good out of anything. And that's what I believe. I believe God can bring good even out of our worst days and worst moments. Now, it may be hard to see. We may not understand the good or see the good in the moment, but we trust and believe that God can bring good even out of our trials and our grief. Peter uses the analogy of fire here, and I think that's a great, great way to describe what happens when we experience suffering, right? Fire has positive effects on, on, on precious metals, right? Precious metals are refined in a fire. It's the fire that burns away the, the dross, the unnecessary impurities in the metal, and makes the gold even more precious and even more refined. Fire has a, a similar impact on iron, right? It's, Iron is strengthened in a forge, right? And, and when our faith goes through the fire, when it goes through those difficult times, it will strengthen our faith as well. You see, precious metals are refined in a fire, but our faith is more precious than gold. Iron is strengthened in a forge, but our faith is something that will endure when all else fades. And so what is the end result of experiencing these hardships and these trials? It produces genuine faith. Hardships force you to come to grips with what you believe. You rehearse, God, you rehearse God's promises in the light so that you have something to hold on to in the darkness. It also produces a persevering faith, like an anchor in the storm that holds you steady, that holds you secure. 
Your faith gives you something to hold on to when all else falls apart. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Right, that psalm describes this scene when everything is falling apart, it's crumbling. God continues to be a refuge and strength, a firm foundation to stand on. And last thing before we move on, when we go, when we face trials of many kinds, it also produces a, in us a mature faith. We learn to trust God and rely on him more. We learn to set our sights on him, right? We learn to look at him and look for him in the midst of our hardship. You see, the lessons learned from experience are caught, not taught. They're not things that you can necessarily learn in a, in a workbook or a Bible study, but it's those experiences going through the fire, facing those hardships. It's those experiences that help us mature and grow in our faith to truly understand what we believe and why we believe it and, and learn to hold on to those things when life seems to fall apart around you. So joy is possible because trials serve to strengthen and purify our faith. And finally, I want to end by, by looking at these last couple verses that remind us that joy is possible when we focus on the future. Again, verses 8 through 9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have eternal joy in an instant world when we look at it from a past, present, and future perspective. We look at it in the past in the sense of, of the security we have in Christ, right? We, we understand that our salvation is secure because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so we have joy eternal because that's something that can never be taken away. We understand eternal joy in the present as we face trials that, that strengthen and purify our faith. We understand that no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we can have, we can rejoice because God can use those circumstances to strengthen and purify our faith. And finally, we can have eternal joy in an instant world when we look ahead, when we keep our eyes focused on what is to come and the hope that we have in Christ and understanding that our ultimate hope and our ultimate joy lies in him and not the things that this world has to offer. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 3. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So one of the ways we maintain eternal joy in an instant world is by keeping our focus on Jesus and not our circumstances. By lifting our eyes above the immediate situation and focusing on him. It's like learning to ride a bike. You know, teaching Josephine to ride a bike a couple years ago, we had to remind her not to look at the ground right in front of her. You know, when you're, when you're learning to ride a bike and you, the temptation is to look at the sidewalk right in front of you. And when you do that, though, you can't keep balance. You, you can't stay steady. The, the trick is you've got to look out ahead of you. You've got to pick a point in the distance and focus on that. That will keep you steady. That will keep you upright. And the same is true here. We need to keep our sights set on the Lord. We need to keep our focus on him and on eternity and the things that matter when we, when we focus on our circumstances and our particular situation, we, we can't stay steady. We can't stay upright. We need to keep our focus on Jesus where it belongs. That means that we live with the end in mind. My mom would always read the last chapter of a book first. Right? It drove me crazy. I thought, I thought it would ruin the book. But for her, she wanted to know how the book was going to end. For her, the knowing... Right, Knowing the end made the reading of the book that much more enjoyable. See, as Christians, we know the end of the story. We know how it's all going to end. It's laid out for us in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. Christ will return. He will come back. And when he does, he's going to make everything new. 
all evil will be defeated, all wrongdoing will be corrected, all brokenness will be mended, Jesus Christ will return and restore all of creation to its proper place. That's our joy. That's our hope. You see, present joy is based on those future promises. We can experience real significant joy now because it's not based on our current circumstances. It's not based, excuse me, it is based on the certain hope of a future that is guaranteed to us through Christ. And that is true on our best days and on our worst days and on every day in between. God's promises are a constant source of joy in all circumstances. Do you want to experience eternal joy in an instant world? Trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. That is the ultimate source of joy that can never be taken away. It gives you hope in the midst of whatever circumstance you find yourself in. You can rejoice in all circumstances because you know that, that Jesus Christ, your Savior and Lord, will never leave you nor forsake you. And it gives you hope in the present because of the future promises and future hope we have in Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for this time we've had here this morning. I pray that everyone who hears this message would know, would understand, and would experience joy eternal that comes only from you. I pray that we would trust you as Savior and Lord, that we would rely on you through all circumstances, and that we would look to you, Lord, that we would keep our sights set on you in all things, that your future promises would bring us present joy. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we close our service of worship this morning, I invite you to sing, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery.
Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. You may go in peace. This is Pastor Joel Buckland of the First Church of New Knoxville. I pray that the Lord spoke to you through our time of worship this morning. We want you to know that God loves you and that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. John 3.16 is one of the most quoted Bible verses, and for good reason. It captures the heart of the gospel so well. John 3.16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You can receive forgiveness and eternal life today by trusting in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. If you'd like to talk with someone about that decision, you can contact us on Facebook or through our website, firstchurchnk.org. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning.